Well, today's scripture uh, is one of the most familiar verses in the Bible. Uh, You see it emblazoned on bumper stickers and banners. You see it waved on posters at athletic events. You hear it quoted by the politicians. It's one of the first verses we learn as children. It's one that many adults can still recite from memory. It's one of the few verses that many people can identify just from the scripture reference itself. What verse is it? John 3, 16, right? And, uh, and that's the verse we're going to be looking at today. Uh, definitely one of the most familiar verses in the Bible, and deservedly so. Will you say it with me? We'll put the words right up on the screen in case you don't have it memorized. But let's read it out loud together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This verse has been called the gospel in a nutshell, a summary of scripture, and a blueprint for salvation. And it's all of those things, but it is also a wonderful, wonderful verse to reflect on uh, with respect to world missions and bringing the gospel to the whole world. And it's really within that context that I want us to take a closer look Uh, at this verse this morning. There's an outline in your worship guide. I'd encourage you to take that out. It'll help you to follow along with the message. Maybe jot down some notes as we go. But the first thing I want you to notice from our verse this morning, John 3.16, is the scope of God's love. And when you look at this verse, you will see that the scope of God's love is very wide indeed. Because what does John say? God so loved the world. God loved the world. God doesn't love just one set of people. He does not love just one particular nation or race. God is a big God, right? And he has a very big love indeed. The scope of God's love covers the entire world. Every nation, every tribe, every language, every people. And this was clear even in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God chose the nation of Israel as his chosen people. And some people say, well, then he only loved one nation. What about the rest of the world? Didn't he care about everybody else? But uh, far from that, because when God called Abraham and God promised to build a great nation from him, when you go back, you'll see that God's promise to Abraham included all the other nations. It's all right there. Genesis 12, God told Abraham... I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Why did God call one nation the nation of Israel in order to bless all the other nations through Israel? And this would take place through the coming of the Messiah, the Christ. We especially see this in the prophet Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, Christ is portrayed as a servant, as a servant who will accomplish God's plan by bringing salvation to the whole world. We read this earlier, but let me read it again. Isaiah 49, 6. God is speaking here to Christ, to the coming Messiah. And he says, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to 
to just restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. No, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So that's Old Testament. We flash back to there. Then you look forward. You look forward to the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, the end of time. John has a vision, and in his vision we see God's plan of salvation realized, accomplished through Christ. We read in Revelation 7, John says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now it's important to stop and reflect in all of this, the scope of God's love for the world. It's important to reflect on this because we have a tendency, at least here in America, We have a tendency to view the gospel mainly through a personal lens. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. The gospel is personal, but we tend to do it mainly or sometimes only through a personal lens, right? We ask ourselves questions like, well, why should I become a Christian? What will God do for me? How will accepting Christ make my life better? We sometimes even take this verse, John 3.16, and we ask people to personalize it. Once again, this is a wonderful thing to do. I do this with people all the time. We say, look at this verse, put your own name into it. For God so loved Mike that he gave his one and only son that if Mike believes in him, then Mike shall not perish but have eternal life. You put your own verse into, you put your own name into the verse. And once again, that's a wonderful thing to do. But we need to think bigger than that. You know, yes, God loves each one of us personally, individually. We're part of this world that God loves. But we need to remember, God's plan is so much bigger than just you and me, right? It's not about me. It's not about you. God loves the whole world. And you know, sometimes we need to get our eyes off of ourselves and reach out to those who have not yet heard of Christ and God's love. I think of Eric Little. Eric Little was the Scottish runner who won the gold medal in the 400-meter race at the 1924 Paris Olympics. Some of you may be familiar with his story through that movie Chariots of Fire. He became well-known through that. But what a lot of people don't know is that Eric was born to missionary parents in China. And that Eric returned to missionary work in China after the Olympics. He had the whole world before him. He had a promising athletic career ahead of him. Especially after that Olympic uh, victory, he was known all around the world. He could have done anything, and he left it all behind for the greater privilege of sharing God's love with those in another part of the world. How wide is God's love? God so loved the world. That's the scope of God's love. His love extends to all people everywhere in the world. 
And then secondly, John 3.16 teaches us the depth of God's love. The depth of God's love. We just sang that song, how deep the Father's love for us. The depth of God's love. For God so loved the world, he did what? He gave his one and only son. His son is the depth of his love. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Now, there are echoes of the Old Testament here as well. Echoes of Abraham and Isaac from the Old Testament. You may remember uh, that God gave Abraham and Sarah a son in their old age. Sarah was barren. Abraham was old. uh, And yet Isaac was born according to God's promise. But then some years later, God tested Abraham. God told him, Genesis 22, he said, Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac whom you love, go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Perhaps the most difficult command God has given anyone in history. But you know what? Abraham Abraham did it. As much as he loved his son Isaac, he loved God more. And he showed the depth of his love by his willingness to sacrifice his only son. Now, of course, God was only testing Abraham. And so God stopped, stopped Abraham before he, before he killed his son. But that knife was already raised high. And Abraham was ready to go through with it. And then we leave the Old Testament. We, we come back to the New Testament. We move forward. And what do we learn there? We learn that God has a son. God has a son. His name is Jesus. John 3.16 says that he is God's one and only son. You may be familiar with the earlier King James translation, which says God's only begotten son. And the word that's translated only begotten there is a word that means single, unique, one of a kind. Jesus is uniquely God's son in a way that no other person ever can be. For example, when you put your faith in Christ, what happens? God adopts you into his family. It's a wonderful part of the gospel and of what God does for us. God adopts you into his family, and now you are a child of God. That's wonderful. But you will never be a child of God in the exact same way that Jesus is God's son. We are adopted into God's family. We're not in the family, and then we are in the family. But the Bible says this about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, speaking of Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And so Jesus has always been God's Son. He has always existed as God's son. Jesus is part of who God is from the very beginning. He shares God's very essence. He is God's one and only son. Now, I can't imagine sacrificing one of my own children for someone else. I I don't even want to go there in my mind. And I suppose it might be even more difficult if I only had one child, but I don't know. I can't, can't imagine any of my children doing that. But God so loved the world 
he gave his one and only son. And folks, that is astonishing. It would still be astonishing if the, if the world was worthy of such a sacrifice, but we are not. We are all sinners. We've all rebelled against God and against his ways. And yet God still gave his son for us. He sent his son into the world as a helpless little baby at Bethlehem. And he gave his son as a sacrifice for sin on the cross at Calvary. And so John 3.16, it teaches us the scope of God's love. God loves the world. It teaches us the depth of God's love. He gave his son. And then thirdly, it also teaches us the fruit of God's love, which is our salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The whole reason God sent his son into the world is because we were lost. We're all sinners. We've all broken God's law. We are separated from God because of our sin. God is a just judge who must punish sin. The Bible tells us that the punishment for sin is death. And not just physical death, that's included, but spiritual death, separation from God, eternal death, separation from God for all of eternity. That's what that word perish means in John 3.16. It means to die in your sins, eternally separated from God and his love. But you see, God loved us. He didn't want us to perish. He didn't want us to die, and so he sent his son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Once again, we, we can find all of this in the Old Testament as well. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. How deep is the Father's love for us and for the world? We'd all sinned. We all went our own way instead of God's way. We all deserved God's righteous punishment for sin. But God gave his only son. He took our sins. He laid them upon Jesus, his son, who paid the penalty for our sin. And so the fruit of God's love, where all this was leading to, the fruit, the effects, the result, is our salvation. Notice what John 3.16 says about who receives this salvation? Who receives this gift of eternal life? You see, not everyone is saved, but only those who believe in Christ. And that word believe here means to trust. It means believing, first of all, that Jesus truly is God's Son, believing that He died on the cross for your sins, and then trusting your life into his hands. This is why God sent his son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him. I love that word, whoever. That's an important word. That means it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how badly you've sinned against God or against other people. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. 
If you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, God will save you. God will save you. He will forgive your sins. He will give you the gift of eternal life. It's not something that you earn or deserve. You receive it as a free gift simply by believing. Believing in what Jesus has done for you. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now I want to spend just a little bit of time here at the end of this message talking about some application points for this verse. And I want to especially focus those application points on believers, those who already know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, if you are not a believer this morning, okay, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, then the application for you today is very obvious, isn't it? You need to trust Christ, right? You need to put your faith in God's Son who died for you. And that will mean turning away from the sin in your life and following God's way instead. It is the most important decision you can ever make. It is the best decision you ever will make. Because God will enter your life. He will make you a new person. He will forgive you for all of your sins. He will wash you completely clean. And best of all, you will have the assurance of knowing that when you die, you will go to be with God in heaven. You will not perish, but have eternal life. So, very clear application, right? If you're not a believer this morning, put your trust in Jesus Christ. Do it today. But if you are a believer already, you might wonder, well, what does this verse mean for me? How do I apply this verse to myself? Let me highlight three application points for believers this morning. First of all, Make worldwide missions a priority in your life. How important is worldwide missions to you? Do you think about it uh, throughout the week? Do you commit yourself to it in your life? Make worldwide missions a priority in your life. Support the worldwide effort to share the gospel with those who have never heard about Jesus Christ. See, we need to develop a heart for the world. We need to ask God to give us His heart for the world. Make no mistake about it. God loves the whole world. He did not send Jesus just so that a few people in a certain corner of the globe would be saved. He sent Jesus because he loved the world. The scope of God's love is wide. It covers everyone, the whole world, and therefore we also must love the world. And that means supporting missions. Supporting missions with your finances. How much of your finances goes to world missions? Supporting missions with your prayers. Are you praying for our missionaries? Are you praying for the gospel to go forward? Supporting missions with your own personal involvement as you have opportunity to get personally involved in missions here around the world, uh, writing to missionaries, perhaps going on a short-term mission trip. Perhaps God is calling you to long-term missions. That's our first application as believers, is make worldwide missions a priority in your life. Our second application is a simple one, but so important. Exalt Christ, right? God so loved the world that he sent his son. There would be no salvation for anyone apart from Jesus. God showed the depth of his love by sending his son 
And therefore, we should lift up the name of Jesus every chance we get. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior. He is the deepest expression of God's love for us. And so let us exalt Christ with our lips and with our lives. And then thirdly, third application, we need to share the gospel. Yes, we need to support worldwide missions, but we need to share the gospel locally and personally as well. Do your friends and family and co-workers and neighbors, do they know that you're a Christian? Do they know that your faith is in Christ? You see, our friends and our neighbors, they are also lost without Jesus. Without Christ in their lives, they will perish in their sins as surely as the tribal person on the other side of the globe who has never heard the gospel. Your friends and your neighbors, they're part of this world that God loves. God sent Jesus into the world for them too. So that's our third application. We need to share the gospel with those around us. And what is the gospel? Man, we, we've said it a number of times this morning already, right? Remember, John 3.16 is the gospel. It is the gospel in a nutshell. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You probably already have it memorized. Now you just need to share it. Go forth and share it with those whom God has placed in your life. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for, uh, for, for your word. We thank you for the precious truth uh, of this one verse in the Bible. Uh, Lord, probably the best-known verse in the Bible, and, and uh, Lord, what a wonderful verse. Lord, everything is there, your love for the world, the scope of your love, the depth of your love in sending Jesus for us, the fruit of your love in securing salvation for us. Oh, Lord, if there's anyone here who's never trusted Christ, I pray that they will trust you today, Lord Jesus. It will make all the difference in their lives, both for now and eternity. And Lord, for those of us who've trusted you already, Lord, help us to take these application points to heart. God, you love the world. Help us to love the world as well. Help us to exalt you, Lord Jesus. You gave your life for us. Help us to share the gospel with those around us. Help us with these things, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.